0: Hi there, welcome to episode 110. Today, I am speaking with Krista from A Life in Progress. We're talking about raising successful children. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a QA and a style
1: show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona.
0: Hi, it's Danae. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 110, and today I'm speaking with Krista O'Reilly Davidege. Krista is the voice and the joyful living educator behind the website alifeinprogress.ca. I knew that I wanted to speak more and dive deeper into the topic of raising successful children, and I wanted to talk with someone who thinks outside of the box about this topic, and Krista turns out to be just that person. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to bring a quick word from today's sponsor. Care.com is an easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family. When we moved across the country from Texas to New York, I didn't know a single soul, and I had no idea who to ask for references for child care providers. So I used Care.com to give me some much-needed space so that I could unpack boxes and have some time to take care of my own needs along with taking care of the needs of my family. Family care needs can be really unpredictable, and you never know when you're going to need an extra set of hands. When you have a premium membership with Care.com, you can easily insert your zip code right into the website and find a list of providers right near your home. They can give you tools like background checks, reference checks, qualifications, certifications, you name it. Care.com is giving the Simple Families listeners a special discount. If you go to care.com forward slash simple, you can get 30% off a premium membership. Again, that's care.com forward slash simple, and you'll get $30 off a premium membership. Back to today's episode. All too often, when we think about raising successful children, we think about perfect SAT scores, entry into Ivy League colleges, and traditional careers like being a doctor, lawyer, or an engineer. But there's not one path to success. There aren't even a handful of paths to success. Today, Krista and I are going to talk about how do we think outside the box about success and how do we define success for ourselves and for our children. And we're going to talk about mediocrity and what it means to be mediocre and to raise mediocre kids. And a little spoiler alert, it's not a bad thing. In this conversation, Krista and I discuss the rising rates of suicide among the teens and children in the U.S. and Canada And my talk with Krista really has me thinking and reflecting on the recent suicide of Kate Spade, someone who has built an incredibly successful career. I think we all need to really think about success and happiness and how these two things are interrelated and how do we define them or can we even define them? I hope you enjoy my talk with Krista today, and if you have questions or comments you want to leave in the show notes, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 110. You'll also find the links to what we talk about in the episode as well. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Krista. Thank you for coming on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Danae. So Krista, I want you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family.
1: Okay. Um, Oh, that's where do I start? So we are um, five people. My my kiddos are now. We've just had two birthdays in the house, so they are 13, 18, and 22. Um, My husband George is a French immersion teacher, and he comes from West Africa, from Togo in West Africa. He and I met in university in Quebec City. If your listeners are interested in Canadian geography. It's way across the country from where we live right now. Um, I homeschooled for 15 years, and I was at home with my kids for, I think, 20. And um, I have built up a business where I can work from home in my PJs, be, from behind a screen, <laughs> mostly, which really suits me and my introverted uh, personality. And, I, yeah, I work as a writer and joyful living educator right now. So tell us about your blog and your online platform. So, well, my mission is to help women live unshackled lives of purpose, health, and joy. And um, I feel like my work is as much about me showing up and learning how to live and breathe and move through my own comparison, perfectionism, and fear as it is about serving other people. So, um I my work lights me up. It has. I've st- tried to stay open to possibility, and what that has meant is I've encountered just diverse, beautiful women like yourself, um, made some connections, and um, also kind of just been open to where my work takes me. And so I don't know if you want me to, t- you know, go further in more detail, but I. Um, everything I do is filtered through the lens of can this offer hope and encouragement?
0: I love that. That's really wonderful. So were you, so you said you homeschooled for 15 years, your youngest now, are you still homeschooling her?
1: No, I'm not. This is her second year in public school. So she drives to school with her dad every morning. Um, so no, we had never intended to have one of our kids go to school at this time of life. But um I was done, she was done, and we're both, we're all happy
0: (laughs) with this. Well, I I love that, and always keeping an open mind to finding what works for your family is such an important part of of the process, right? It is, and, you know, I write about and talk about
1: a lot how life is messy, right? Imperfect and beautiful, and the truth is that I came, I went through a, a period of crises in my early 40s, and um it, I just, it changed me. Like, I think it changed me in some really beautiful ways. And I'm also not, I'm just not the same person anymore in many respects. And I just could no longer do the job that I wanted to do with the homeschooling too. And so, you know, just even offering myself tons of grace and compassion for that. um, I think that's so important as moms. And, you know, like I said, the truth is we're all happy.
0: Absolutely. So, Krista, you wrote the article, What If All I Want is a Mediocre Life? And this article went viral. And I believe you were interviewed by the BBC about this. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think that was the first time it went viral. So it kind of had two spins through the world. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, A journalist from BBC London, she, yeah, we chatted for several hours and um, then we did an interview Um, Yeah, that was, that was interesting. She was a lovely person. And um, yeah, and then it took, and then it was, so it was picked up in Europe, first of all. And then maybe about a year later, some kind of minimalist folks picked it up here in North America and started sharing it again.
0: So can you tell us about this article for anyone who hasn't read it? I will put the link in the show notes so everyone can take a read if they haven't already.
1: So I wrote the article in tears. I, you know, it's so funny because after the fact, people have a lot of opinions and I received loads of positive responses and then, you know, definitely some mean ones. And and it was interesting. I learned a lot about the online world through that experience. But the truth is, I didn't write a clickbait tart title I didn't even know what that meant I actually sat down in like I was really crying and wrote an article that I never expected like at the time I may have had you know maybe 35 40 people ever seeming to like something that I wrote I was a pretty new blogger and so I, I honestly just thought it would be my family reading it you know whatever just a couple people And um, I just wrote it as an act. You know, I said earlier, Danae, that a lot of my writing is my effort to live. It's my effort to to show up and love myself well and just offer my small gifts to the world and let that be enough. That's what I was doing in that moment.
0: So... One of the first paragraphs in the article, I'm going to read it because I want to talk more about this. Uh, you wrote, what if all I want is a small, slow, simple life? What if I am most happy in the space of in between where calm lives? What if I am mediocre and choose to be at peace with that? And I felt like that really captures the essence of this article in presenting this idea that what if I am enough just as is and how can I find peace with that? And is that, has that been a big part of your journey, Krista?
1: I think that's the part of my journey.
0: (laughs) I think that is my
1: journey. Um, So I have also shared publicly of, um, you know, that I tried to kill myself a few times as a teenager. I've had a couple other kind of scary moments as an adult and, um, but that, I mean, that's just one tiny thread in my story, honestly, because it's really, yes, I, I have been on a journey of learning to find, understand who I am and then embrace that. that. That's it. You know, self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-compassion, that sums it up. And, you know, today I get to encourage and support so many other women. But one of the things that I frequently remind my clients is that, you know, it's so easy to look at me and assume, right? Now, because I'm working with you, you assume I've got it all together. It's not true. I'm still choosing how I show up every single day.
0: Right. And this makes me think about, and and like every single person listening right now, and myself included, could all benefit from this, from having more compassion for ourselves and giving ourselves more grace. And particularly women with young children, because I think that this, I mean, it's hard to say that it's a more chaotic time than later, because I feel like chaos can infiltrate motherhood and life at any point in time. But I think these early periods of overwhelm can be really intense. Um, So I think that this, it resonates very much with me now as a mother of young children, and it makes me want to hear more from you as a mother of older children, and you've been on this journey much longer. So I want to talk further about how this relates to motherhood and to the chaos and overwhelm that we experience in motherhood and how we unknowingly set up expectations for our children and oftentimes those expectations are not of mediocrity; they are expectations of success and of high achievement. Would you agree with that?
1: Um, I think so. I'm, I'm. I have to filter this through my own personality and my own experience, and I don't think I ever intentionally set up that standard for my children. But as a perfectionist, as somebody who was struggling so much with trying to measure up and live up to impossible standards, I don't think there's any way that that can't spill over into my children's and our relationship or even how they perceive, you know, what, how I might be making them feel that they have to earn love or something like that. Now, I'm going to say for my family, I've had the conversation with my children and I think that I did make my son, my oldest, feel that way. And we are in conversation, you know. Um, and he's so much like me that I think he just walks through life feeling like he can't measure up quite, you know, ever to the way that he should or ought to anyways. But um, I don't think my girls carry that burden. And so it's wonderful that we've been able to have these healing conversations and just a lot of open dialogue in our home. But, but I think that, yes, I think that if we are wrestling with these feelings of never quite being enough or like, you know, living in a state of comparison all of the time, it will absolutely filter through. It drips over into our home.
0: I find the rates of teenage suicide to be so alarmingly high right now I, in yeah. the US? Is it, is it like that in Canada as well? Are you seeing those rates go up all the time?
1: Um, well, one article, I mean, it is a couple years old, but the stats had said, I, I have it on a, in a post that the Canadian stats, but I'm going to get the ages wrong, but it was, let's say it was like between suicide between 14 and 25 is the second leading cause of death in Canada you know and I may have that wrong but I mean they're high they are alarming and they're high and you know I just reshared this post about my own suicide attempts and my little sister who lives about five hours north of me said where she lives there are so many teen suicides happening right now like it's it is it is shocking and it is horrifying, and of course, yet yeah, we need to be talking about this, and not just because. Here's the thing: if we don't do this work for ourselves as parents, we can't be emotionally present for our children, right? Um, because we're fighting our own battles, and it, and it doesn't mean that we're we need to be perfect to you know, or that we can ever for sure make sure that our children never struggle. But boy, when we are operating with more self-awareness and openness to hard conversations, um, I think then we can help our children walk through whatever
0: they end up dealing with. I agree with that. And I think that as parents, there's this almost instinctual desire to give our children more than we had and to make our children more and to um, for our children to have more success than we have had, the sort of bettering the next generation. Do you feel that sentiment amongst the greater society? I don't think I walk with the greater society. <laughs> I've kind of walked off the
1: beaten path in many respects, um, very purposefully. You know, you might call it survival. You might call it a bit of a rebellious spirit that just doesn't want all that stuff. I just don't believe in it. I don't agree with it. So I um, you know, I believe you're you're right, but I I just really have put blinders on probably for the past 20 some years to try to do my own thing. And of, and of course, like I've already admitted, you know, I carried all my own baggage and perf- including perfectionism into our family. Um, so, so to be honest, I just have to speak from my own experience and I, I really genuinely have tried to like, that has not been my belief system, my goals in with my children. We have an interesting dynamic in that my husband is an immigrant, and he he grew up in poverty in West Africa, and he um, education was the only way for him out of a really difficult experience. So, and most immigrant families here that we you know know and love, they tend to believe that. Children can be, should be doctors, lawyers, or engineers. Those are your options. <laughs> um, and I get it because they have worked so hard to escape poverty, right? So they really prize education, higher learning, and those more esteemed careers. So we've definitely had these conversations here where my husband is kind of, you know, has kind of pushed a little bit in that direction and i've pushed back and said that i you know because here's the thing how many people who are have all the money and all the stuff and all the accolades they kill themselves or they have drug addiction because they're miserable like you look around and you know that that
0: does not equate happiness you're right about that, and I think it makes me think about when we were searching for a home last summer, and we, our real estate agent, was telling us about the different school districts. And there are we're about an hour north of, north of New York City, and there are some really wonderful school districts. In particular, some school districts that are known to be very competitive. And I think that generally speaking, parents are like, "Yes, let's get into the best school district." But to me, in my mind, the best, most competitive school districts mean high amounts of anxiety, high amounts of pressure for our kids. And I don't want that for my kids, and I don't. My kids are only two and four, so it's hard to know exactly what I want for them. But I know that the school environment plays such a huge role in developing and forming who they are and their emotional development, aside from what they get at home, of course. Um, But what did any of those factors factor into you choosing to keep your kids at home for school, or how did you come to that decision? So
1: we live in these small towns where we don't live with, we just don't experience what you are referring to, although I've heard it, you know, like I I read about it, I hear, I talk about it with people, but our little small town Alberta or Canadian experience is not quite that way. doesn't mean people can't be competitive and that isn't even wrong like some people are wired that way but um but we don't experience it to the extent that you're you're discussing so my desire to keep my kids at home was I I went to university for six years to become a um, French immersion teacher like my husband although he has two previous degrees as well and um and I just realized that being a teacher, two teachers in a home meant we would never see our own kids. Or that's what it felt like to us in the moment. And I say that I have friends who are, you know, both of them are teachers and stuff. So, um, but I just wanted a slow, kind of gentle life. That's what I desired. And I also really, I wanted to be the one to teach my kids to read and do, and learn French and do fractions. I loved it. And so I, I just didn't understand why I would go spend you know, my whole life taking care of other people's kids and not do offer that to my own children. So I, it was a very gentle, beautiful transition for us. And um, I loved it. I loved that we, we just, there's less wasted time. You're, um, we got to like read amazing novels and discuss them. And like we, I was allowed to make space for my children to pursue their own particular interests. We, um, we even, you know, I was kind of a personality geek from way back when. So we got to, from a young age, I was able to help my children begin to identify their own strengths and weaknesses and, you know, what they were passionate about. And um, yeah, I just, like, I don't know, I, I just loved it. It wasn't escapism for me, escaping any particular thing as opposed to, it was a, just a it was like a move towards the positive, as opposed to trying to run from a negative experience. Um, there was okay. I'm going to be honest. I racism comes into play. Um, we when we moved to this small town, it was very homogenous. So there, my husband was the third black man, and there were very few other non-Caucasian people here. And it has certainly changed over the past 20 years. But coming with um, a black family, we. My children, when they were little on the playground, they got some ignorant comments from children. And there there was that, too. I was like, uh, no way. I, my children do not, at five years old, have to, like, fend off ignorance. Like, I'm just not doing it. So
0: that came into play. but So... That, I think that's all really great insight. I'm actually thinking about homeschooling my kids. My son is still in preschool this coming year, and we're going to sort of dabble in it as he's still very young to see if it is a good fit for us. Um, but I think you're right in the sense that I don't necessarily see it as escaping, although in some ways I think there are plenty of things that I can understand many parents wanting to escape from, um, but as well just wanting to spend that time connected, connecting with my kids when they're young, um, since we can't get this time back. So. Um, I look forward to sort of trying that myself. And I think it's important, as you said, Krista, to find the rhythm that works for your family and to not be set on doing it forever, right? Because if it doesn't work for us and if it's not emotionally the thing that's the best for me and for my kids, then it wouldn't be something mm-hmm. that would be in anyone's best interest to push forth with. Yeah. And, and, you know,
1: I mean, the factors like where you live, what schools you have near you, if there's gun violence, like around, you know, it's like, there are so many factors that each family needs to take into consideration. Your particular child, like, do they struggle with anxiety? Would they, you know, thrive at home, but not in that system? Like, I mean, it, I think I, I felt like we had permission. I never felt that there is one way. I think that's the thing. I just think that it felt right. It really, I was able to, it suited my personality very well, and my children really liked it. So they went into high school, and in a local school, and they, you know, there's But also, they're strong academically. It's like they're artistic. Like we always, we just all kind of had fun, and we like to learn. And I, I, I just, I know that you need to do what's best for for you. And also, yeah, moms, like take care of your mental
0: health, take care of your physical health. Like you can't pour out what you don't own, right? Absolutely. And I always emphasize to the moms who listen to this podcast and who read my blog to find a balance in the amount of time per day that you are spending with your kids. Because most women are not able to spend 12 to 16 hours a day being the solo provider and to really be, be their best. We need a break. We need downtime. And how to find that downtime.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the nice things about homeschooling that I found is in the younger years, it really doesn't take much time. You do kind of more and then you're, you know, you're still going on nature walks and you're doing art projects. It's like it's still just kind of gentle and fun. And I always needed like so- some solitude. So a very strong introvert. Actually, I'm raising introverts, too. So that <laughs> went in my favor because we all kind of come together, laugh, talk, do our, you know, and then we disperse. And we go on to our independent projects. And that, so that worked well for us.
0: Yes, absolutely. So I think that the idea that your husband had about, you know, ch- children needing to be doctors and lawyers and engineers, I think that is very, very common. I mean, I grew up with that idea as well this idea that there are certain professions that are more secure and that would more or less check the box of success, raising successful kids. And Mm -hmm. what exactly does that mean? And you had said, interestingly, I think that that you don't believe that there's one path to that. It's not that you check the box of doctor, lawyer, or Harvard graduate to raise a successful kid. What do you, how do you feel that success and mediocrity can really work hand in hand? So yeah, no, I vehemently oppose that idea that that's the path
1: to success actually. Um, although I, you know, love, like I have family members and girl a girlfriend who's like an anesthesiologist and like I think, okay, so this is why I'd love to come back to this idea that for me, that article about mediocrity, first of all, that's about my own self-awareness and self-acceptance. That's about me saying, I'm enough right here where I am, I am enough. If you are somebody who struggles with perfectionism and comparison, it doesn't matter how fabulous you are or how fabulous other people think you are, you will always see your shortcomings. So really I'm always writing through that lens and the women who come to me for support as well need help moving out of perfectionism, comparison and fear, right? So that is about self-awareness and self-acceptance and that's what I want for my children. Not that I want them to conform to me. Like, I don't want them to look like me. I don't want them to have me put limits on anything. I want them to know they have permission to own the truth of who they are and what they want, and then to build a beautiful life that aligns to their personality and priorities. So you know, in my home, it's beautiful. Like they're all, my children are artistic and we all, you know, but we're different. So I have one, my middle child, she is a very, I would say she's probably my most academic. Um, They're all like academic. We all love to learn and think and talk, but she really easily gets amazing marks. And it's almost like she's one of those people that kind of almost anything she does turns to gold. Like she just has that ability. And um, she's more driven and competitive. She doesn't get stressed out over things. And, you know, she operates differently in the world than my other two children or me or myself. And I love it all. Like that's the beautiful thing is they can do whatever they want. But here's the thing. So Any of my children, so my two big kids, my son already graduated from college and he studied animation and video game design. He did not choose an easy career. (laughs) He did not (laughs) choose an easy path with, you know, a pension, right? He's going to work hard and he loves it. He knew from the time he was seven years old that he was, although some of the technology that is present now didn't even exist then, he knew he was going into that general field, he never has wavered, and I'm cheering him on. And he also is very, it, he knows who he is and what matters to him, and it isn't money and it isn't degrees and it isn't a fancy car. Um, my daughter Katya, who I was talking about, she may very well, like one university was just annoying her trying to get them to come to her engineering department. That girl could go anywhere. And I'm going to cheer her on as she finds her own path. Um, I just think that's the beautiful thing is we if if this world had more people who understood their worth did not lie with outward achievement or affirmation, I think it would be a calmer,
0: happier place. I agree. I think that it's often really hard for parents to let children find their own path it makes me think about um, Ellen Galinsky's book, The Six Stages of Parenthood, and one of the early stages, she talks about image making and how we come up with this image of what we what we foresee for our children and how that is a part of parenthood for many of us. And that's sort of when the hopes and the dreams are born for our children. And when they grow and they're not traveling on that path. I think sometimes the inclination can be to guide them back to that path. I think that there's a lot of parents out there that probably would have discouraged a career like your son's from an early age and, and veered them more towards a more traditional path of a career that had a little bit more um, predictability and um, a little more job availability. Is that, do you think that that's prevalent in the world? Parents, the role that they take in creating images for their children and trying to steer that course for them? I,
1: I suspect it really is true. And I, like I've said, I've worked pretty hard to push back against that. Um, I, because I just don't buy it. Like I'm just, you know, I, the other thing Danae, that I love encouraging is I I've it's uncomfortable and I've made space in our home for, uncomfortable dialogue for conversations where my children do not have to agree with me and I don't have to agree with them and we can reason and we can discuss why we believe what we do and so forth so um actually I feel like I've spent 20 years work or 22 my son's 22 working really hard to to teach them something else which is you get to carve your own path um you know if we're honest there is no job security in this world We know that um, you can jump through hoops and end up depressed or divorced or, you know, and and I mean, I say all of this with no judgment, not that, you know, just that you may end up in a place where it's not what you had wanted for yourself or what you expected anyways. So for me, I'm like, then do something else. Like, and, but the other thing, this is the other part of it. I think it's also okay to, use every experience as a learning experience so my husband for instance has two other degrees so in economics and um, science and then he ended up teaching he is he's he has thrived in his career that is not what he anticipated from the beginning and um, I think that and honestly like I'm not using my six years of university and education and it's all just information it's like we start somewhere and then we kind of if we kind of loosen our grip a little bit and stay open once again to joyful possibility we will probably end up somewhere far more beautiful than we could have anticipated in the beginning. So I'm not so much afraid of like mistakes or, you know, like for instance um, I work with people who are um, like one of my current clients. She's a lawyer and a social worker and she's launching a new business. And because those degrees, they're not they're not the best fit for for her own dreams and her own desires, right? So now she's taking a, a different path. And I'm like, it, it's not a mistake. She just she tried this out and now she's realizing, okay, there's something more that I want or need. And, you know, she's taken the risk to move into that. like, I don't know if I answered your question, so help guide me back (laughs) if necessary.
0: I think that's actually really insightful. And this idea that as adults, we find ourselves making big career changes and big life switches as we get older. And you had said there's no such thing really as job security, but there's really no such thing as life security. There's no certain career or certain path that is going to guarantee that we're going to be happy and content and comfortable
1: no so then from a young age if our children understand that what we want for them is to help them use their own personality their inherent wiring honor that carve out space in this world to just offer the gifts that they have to bring that we'll we've got their back like that's amazing in my opinion um So if they want to be an engineer, we've got their back. And if they want to, you know, be a solopreneur, we've got their back. We're going to help them find resources and get the training that they need. You know, they want to be a writer. They want to be a teacher with the pension. Like we've got their back, right? Like, isn't that a beautiful thing? I mean, I don't understand why that's bad. You know, it doesn't mean that we have to be naive. So my, my son and I, we, um, we've talked about the realities. So are, you know, there are consequences to every choice we make in life. Are you prepared to live with the consequences? So if you're opting for a creative career where you don't have, you know, a pension. So I am so kind of geekily proud of my son for, you know, at 22 years old, he is being very practical and he just started an RRSP, which is a retirement Uh, Registered retirement savings plan for his future, and you know honestly there probably aren't that many 22 year olds that are thinking ahead that far, but I love that because and it you know it just we just are being realistic about what it means to choose a creative path or one with you know less quote unquote job security. And um, but he's still forging ahead. Right. So we don't the goal isn't then choose what seems to be the easy, simple path. It's choose the path that lights you up and also then be honest about what what else you might need to do um, moving forward. Right.
0: Yes. And that when you're an adult, you're accountable for the decisions that you're making or even when you're a child, you're accountable for the decisions that you're making. and understanding the consequences of those decisions. Do you feel like there is anything that you did when you're raising your kids or that you're doing now as you're raising your kids to make them more aware of the consequences of their decisions? Um, I think probably,
1: well, I, I really think that we're thinkers and talkers, right? So we're always, we tended to be discussing, like my son and I, we can talk about, you know finances and racism and or social justice and media like we just we can just kind of spin off and and, and have these meaty conversations and I, I think that's great because we're we're thinking about things and we just we're always just discussing and so and then there's always room to disagree and to learn from each other so I, I do think just having that matters I I, I love finances too. I just like to learn. So, I, you know, from a young age, I was always talking to them about budgeting and money. And so we just talked about everything. Like we just, I don't know. I think I just allowed them to un- think about what it means to be an adult or to to have a mortgage or raise a, a family or, you know, we just kind of, we didn't live lives that were completely maybe split. Like we just kind of were all tangled up together in life. And so I think they had a good sense of what what this means. Um, and then as they were getting clear on kind of the path they wanted to take, well, then we're just sitting down. Okay, practically speaking, what does that look like, you know, in terms of finances or in terms of, you know, um, what, what do you need come, like, education? I mean, okay, I'm going to be honest about this, Danae. I am very – my husband and I both, but I'm s- super – Clear that I believe my children must go get post second like um, post secondary education, but um, of course I can't bulldoze my way into their life. So they still get to choose. But from a really young age, I was also making that clear that I we highly value education, but for us it just means whatever whatever that looks like for you and your dreams will will support you and help you find your way. But for us it we really do, I I could say push pretty strongly the value of education.
0: Okay. So I, I think a lot about what I want my kids' education to look like. And in a way, I'm definitely a planner. I'm like, I'm, I am like to have a plan or an idea of where our future is taking us. But the more that we talk, it more, it makes me think that maybe I shouldn't be so stuck to having a plan because my kids are only two and four. And I don't exactly know what is going to be right for them. And I don't know what the future holds for them. And instead of having a plan myself, I need to work with them and support them in creating their own plan.
1: Yeah, I've talked before on um, uh, a podcast where I just talked about being a student of our children, that I actually believe our job is less like we are a guide as parent, but I think of it more as facilitator. Our job is to allow them to become and to show us who they are. And then for our job, then, isn't to model them into an idea, a preconceived idea, but it is rather to come alongside and support them in becoming who they already are meant to be. I see that as two completely different ideas. Um, And it's amazing if we become students of our children, you know, I say this with complete honesty, that you know, and I don't know if it sounds cliche or not, but my children have helped me become a better person. My children have helped me become as well because they came with these strong personalities and gifting and different thoughts from mine. They challenge me on, I would say, almost a daily basis. And if I stay humble and I stay open, it is amazing what these people teach me. But what would happen if I decided I was going to rule the roost and it was my way or the highway and I have all the answers? Well, the truth is I'm bumbling my way through life. I'm very much still just learning and becoming who I'm meant to be, you know, so that I can walk with purpose, health and joy. So it's, it's, it's arrogant, in my opinion, to think that I then have all the answers for them and for their path. You know, I don't want that responsibility, but I definitely will instruct, guide, help them. If I don't have the answers, I'll help them find the answers. Um, I will help them do all the practical legwork, help them, you know, um, you know, like there's my kids are so responsible and amazing. So it's like I i am so far from an expert as mama of three, but I think it's pretty cool what can happen when we you know, I guess in my my home, I think this is pretty cool. Um, that they just fascinate me. I'm so excited to just, you know, be privileged to to witness them finding their own paths. Like, I, I hope you can hear my excitement. I actually think this is the best gig in the world,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I completely agree. I think that the idea of raising kids that are mediocre is interesting in the sense of i it, what comes to mind is sort of this mediocre performance so like maybe average act scores average sat scores average gpa the way that we traditionally define success in childhood and in education and but thinking about mediocrity from the view of not pressuring them in those ways to gain this elite education or the Excel in in academics, but instead letting them develop as a whole person in many different ways throughout their life and as a result, finding their own personal strengths. Yeah, so to be clear, I've never
1: once actually written anything or spoken about, you know um, wanting people, thinking that people should, aim for mediocre children, whatever you, however you define that. So I've only ever talked about my own mediocrity, my own being just kind of here in this space of I'm okay. Like I'm, you know, like, so I would have, you know, on that, um, with BBC London, I said, like, I I love to write. I know my writing speaks to the soul, you know, some people's soul, But but I'm not the best writer. I make real food, but I'm not the greatest cook. I just like, I'm just sort of like, I'm okay and I'm okay here. So that kind of self-awareness, self-acceptance is what I'm after. Now we that's different from laziness also. I, I don't I'm not lazy. I choose rest. I choose to Netflix sometimes. I choose to go on vacation and not work. I choose to putter. I create a life that's gentle because and really supports my mind, body, spirit health. Um, but I'm not lazy. And so for a child, like it's like we have to be careful too. Like, you know, if you read something or chat about something for five minutes, that I'm not this isn't, you know, be careful how we're sort of like receiving that information. So my children, I expect them to use their gifts. I don't I'm not saying pressure. Like, so maybe we'll reframe it this way. My children fairly easily, like without too much effort, can have honors in school. Like they're that's just their wiring. It's not a struggle for them if if my child is working they're applying themselves and they're getting you know 70s or whatever whatever it might be I'm not going to be mad about that because they're showing up they're just showing up they're using their gifts like it's you know they're they're listening and being respectful in class and they're they're you know we're engaged and we're talking about the work and blah 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 and it's like so I don't know. I feel like that's important to talk about because I know I have friends who also value education and their children genuinely are showing up and they're, they're not, they don't like their primary gifting. Isn't that the academics let's say, but they are amazing artists or athletes or whatever. So, so I think that's what I'd like to see is when I, when I'm talking about like this self-awareness, self-acceptance, it can show, it can look differently from one child and one family to the other. And, and it doesn't mean for me that I'm just like, oh yeah, you could maybe go to school today if you feel like it. And yeah, don't worry about studying. Who cares? Like, I'm like, no, like we're going to show up. We're going to do, you know, honor our commitments and we're going to learn because learning is so important. And, um, and then, but we don't, we don't stress out and we don't get angry if with each other because we're less than excellent. Like we just we just be who we are. Right. So, um, you know, like I was saying, like even my middle daughter, her, she's more competitive. And also she just is really like, I don't know, kind of geekily smart. And so she can get like, you know, have a 4.0 average for by Netflixing 18 hours a day. Like she just like, she doesn't have to work that hard, not as hard as I do to, you know, to do that work.
0: Well, Krista, this has been really insightful. I thank you so much for your time. It's definitely a topic that I want to do more thinking on and more reflecting on because, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, that doing our own personal work around this and accepting our own mediocrity is such an important part of letting our kids grow up to be who they are and to be themselves and to be true to themselves.
1: I totally agree that when, as moms or our parents that we we really get honest. We peel away all the layers of expectation and all the old stories of who we should be or who we used to be or who we used to want to be. And we kind of just get honest about, you know what I really want is this. And then we have the courage to start talking about that and being honest about that. That's a pretty cool thing. And our children get to witness that. And then they learn how to be a little bit gentler on themselves and more courageous, I think, too, to, to just be honest about what it is that they want. And for their lives.
0: I think that's, that's, that is a beautiful thing. Thank you, Krista. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Krista and her work, you can go to alifeinprogress.ca. I will put the link to that in the show notes as well. You will find the links to the things that Krista and I talked about today. You can find the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 110. If you want to learn more about Simple Families, you can go to simplefamilies.com and click Get Started. I thank you so much for tuning in. And when you have a second, please leave a rating or review in iTunes. It helps this show reach more people. I appreciate you. Thanks.